listening to the Whitman Wire podcast, a weekly companion podcast for the Whitman Wire newspaper where we release news stories, deeper dives, and weekly news summaries. I'm Alea Bessie, the podcast editor, and today you'll be hearing from Casey Moulton and Mia Graham. Since I got here, I've been randomly selected for weekly COVID testing three times, three times straight. And although I know why and agree wholeheartedly with the practice, imagine my surprise upon learning that for some Whitman students, a couple weeks of back-to-back testing is literally no comparison. I'm Casey Moulton. And I'm Mia Graham. And this is the Whitman Wire podcast. Today, we'll be joined with three representatives from three different sports teams on campus. The first is Corinne Baker, a basketball player. We'll also be joined by Sam Burt, a swimmer, and Coach Matt Helm, who coaches volleyball. First up is going to be Corinne. Corinne is a freshman on the varsity women's basketball team, and she sat down with me to discuss how this sports season has impacted both her academic and social life. I'm Corinne Baker. I'm a first year here at Whitman. I'm on the women's varsity basketball team. Is basketball what brought you to Whitman or was there something else? Well, actually, yes. I was recruited the summer before my senior year of high school. So like the coaches were watching me play in AAU tournaments and then they were reaching out to me like, hey, you should come play here. And I honestly like never really considered um, going to college without playing basketball. Like it was like, I'm going to look at these schools that recruit me and then like decide which one I want to go to out of that. Um, But I also want to pursue education after my undergraduate is over. And so Whitman's like a pretty prestigious name to have on a resume and they're known for their academics. So I was like, well, yeah, I need that too. So. Yeah. So did you have any second thoughts about playing this season uh, with regards to like no athletic scholarship or no monetary incentive, given we are a D3 school? Um, well, most of the schools that recruited me were also D3. So it was like athletic scholarship wasn't really a factor in me choosing women. Um, but And as for like playing sports this year, I was just, I knew it wasn't going to be like normal, which was kind of like annoying, but I wasn't just not going to play. Like they were going to, they were going to practice of some kind. And so just be an opportunity to like get better and just work out. So. So were there other factors that impacted that decision uh, to continue playing sports? Like, Were you a little worried about some of the regulations placed on sports teams in regards to in-person classes? Um, I mean, it was a letdown, I guess, when they were like, okay, if you want to participate in athletics, you can't be in person. And I was like, ah, man, well, okay, I guess I'm going to be online again. I don't think I would trade in-person classes for not playing sports, I guess it was not that big a deal. I was like, okay, if that's what they want me to do, like, I'll do that so I can play. Yeah, so how do your social interactions look this semester since athletes are pretty limited when it comes to their social circles? Yeah, luckily all the girls on the team were pretty like fun to be around. So practice is obviously a big 
social place to be. Then I also live with one of my teammates in this house. So I get most of my social interactions are like from practices and workouts and then just with the people I live with. Not what you might expect being a freshman in college, but like I definitely still have enough social interactions. So how has this season been different Uh, besides like obvious COVID restrictions? Are you playing less games? Are there fewer people on a team than usual? The team number is the same as it would have been. But how it's different is most of the time we would have been practicing since like October 24th, I think it usually is. But this year we didn't start practicing until the beginning of January. And then it was like, all right, you guys have been sitting down for Christmas break. Like, let's go. We better get back in shape real quick. So the beginning of the season was just a little more rushed. Like, we're going to start playing games in three weeks. So you guys need to, like, get in shape right now. And so, like, the later start, and we are playing less games this year. And there's also no, like, Northwest Conference tournament. There's no Nationals tournament. So there's no like, oh yeah, we're going going for first and second place. It's just like, we're just playing games just to get the experience. Do you think having less opportunities to practice has impacted your success this season as a team? I think the uh, limited time also kind of affected like our team chemistry a little bit because it was like we would have had months of preseason to get to know everyone and learn how everybody plays. And then it was like, we were just kind of like thrown into it. I don't, I don't exactly know how the amount of time has like affected our skills per se, just cause like I've never played at the college level before at all. So I don't know what like a normal growth looks like in a regular season. So you talked a little bit there about team chemistry and about how working together earlier helps build that chemistry. Do you think living off campus has provided an additional barrier when it comes to getting to know your teammates or does the amount of in-person practices that your team holds like fill the same purpose? I mean, it's definitely kind of weird because all the other first years on the team live in Jewett and then I'm not there, but I'm actually on the phone with a lot of the first years a lot of the time, like working on chemistry and stuff like that. So luckily with all the technology we have, I've been able to interact with them like about school and about normal life. And then I also get to see them in practice. So it definitely has been a thing, but there have been ways to get around it. Since you are an athlete not living in Jewett, have some of the COVID protocols, are some of the COVID protocols different for you compared to your teammates who live in Jewett? Well, I don't exactly know what the protocols are for Jewett. I guess it's a lot of probably similar things. Like, I'm not supposed to just have random people over to my house all the time and, like, hang out with all these random people, which makes sense. Granted, there's no, like, RA, like, knocking on my door and making sure that I don't have people in here. So I think there's a little bit more like I have to take responsibility for making sure that I'm following the protocols. Are you still happy with this season? Like, are you glad for the opportunity, even though it's been wildly different than probably what you imagined it would be a couple years ago? Absolutely. I mean, I still get to, I remember the first time when we actually got to go into the gym, like when they finally opened up the gyms 
and I just like sat on the floor and I was putting on my shoes and I was like wow I was like I'm finally in like a college basketball gym I was like that's so cool that was a really nice feeling so I'm happy that they work something out instead of being like everybody has to stay home you can't come you have no season like that would have been that would have been really heartbreaking but so I'm very thankful to the school for like figuring out a way to let us play it all so are the athletes included in the like general like surveillance testing pools or do you guys get tested more often since you are traveling? Okay, um, we are tested on like Mondays, Thursdays and Saturdays most of the time for the team. And then we're also randomly selected for the school so there will be some weeks where we have like four COVID tests in one week. Um, and the tests that we take, we have to take them so that we can play. And then the campus or the school-wide ones we have to take so we can be on campus so we can practice and play. Um, so there's definitely, there's definitely some weeks with a lot of testing. Do you think that the school is doing enough when it comes to ensuring athlete safety in the middle of a pandemic? Oh, I think, I think they definitely are. Um, like we get to bring our trainers with us when we go to away games and we're tested like, and it's nice cause we're tested by people we know. And so that's, it's kind of reassuring. Um, then I think all their guidelines that they have placed, like that's all just to ensure the safety of us and ensure the safety of the like general student body, which is, why they didn't want us in person because like we're going to Tacoma we're going to Spokane and like all these places so it makes sense that they didn't want us to like bring that into class. So is there anything else about this season that's been especially noteworthy or especially different? I mean we can touch on the mask thing for just a second because that was something I never ever would have imagined I had to do like work out with a mask on and then by the end it's like sweaty and it's just, it's pretty unpleasant, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's one of those things that it's like, okay, you want me to do this so I can keep playing? Like I'll gladly do it. Um, but it's just, it's something that you never would have thought about until this year. And now it's like normal. So how far do those mask regulations extend? Do they extend to gameplay or just to practices? It's just in practices. And once you like, once we get into conditioning or like something that is actually like aerobic, um, then we can like pull them down, which is interesting because it's like, if we like, why do we sometimes have to wear them? And we sometimes don't, I don't know. Um, but then games, we don't wear them when we're playing, but we do wear them on the bench. Have you been able to get any clarity on those sometimes or were the requirements for sometimes on, sometimes off not really explained? I think their reasoning is probably like, we just want you to have a mask for as much of the time as possible, but we also are not trying to suffocate you is kind of what I'm getting. Okay, well, thank you so much for sitting down with me, Corinne. Yeah, thank you for, thank you for the call. It was good.
Corinne is a great example of a student athlete who's decided to come back and juggle athletics with online classes. Sam Burt, however, who swims for Whitman, is an athlete who decided to take a different route this semester. Great, yeah. Uh, my name is Sam Burt. I have gone to Whitman for two years. I will be a junior uh, in this coming fall semester. Swam both years. I guess you said roll on the team. I am the third backstroker. I was voted captain this year. I would have been one slash kind of am one. It's a little confusing with the whole not on campus thing. I plan on majoring in philosophy. I have not declared yet. That's something to do before I get back to Whitman. I think that's about it. Great, thank you. So Sam, you decided to um, not attend Whitman this season. What are you doing this semester instead? Uh, I have been working currently at a bar and grill in Idaho for a Whitman alum named Easton Powell. Yeah, just been trying to make some money while school has been mostly online or hybrid. Yeah. What factors um, went into that decision? Well, a lot of my best friends at Whitman decided to not come back as well, combined with the fact that um, obviously all of last semester was online and it seemed really unclear to me how much of this semester would be in person. And the fact there was an abbreviated sim season um, it just felt not worth it to me to pay the tuition for an experience that is not what I uh, applied to pay tuition for. And did you consider coming back to take classes but not compete? Or like, would you have come back just to play sport? Like what, what was the interplay between like being at Whitman for academic reasons versus being at Whitman for swim? I decided that I was not willing to come back to Whitman and not swim. Um, for me, it's, it's too important of a part of my experience, um, but based on the fact that we would be all online during the swim season and would be completely isolated from the rest of the school, I was also worried that that would not be the healthiest of environments for me, just for mental health reasons. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically I decided that it felt like I had to pick one or the other and I was not willing to do that. So I decided to pick neither and then both uh, for the next two years. Were some of your teammates feeling like similar frustrations with having to pick one, like pick sport or in-person classes? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I didn't have like that specific conversation with anyone, but from the conversations I did have, I feel like that was a question that weighed heavily on a lot of people. And there are definitely uh, people I know who picked school over swimming or to, like me, just do neither. So yeah. anyone who picked swimming and then made the sacrifice of not getting to be in in-person classes? Uh, I mean, I, I think that's the whole team, basically. Um, I My understanding is that they are going back to in-person classes soon if they haven't already. Um, there was a certain amount of time after the competitive season that they'd be allowed back in. But um, yeah, they had to all do online. Um, no one was allowed to be in person to protect the rest of the student body. And I mean, quite frankly, that takes more emotional discipline than I have. Uh, I have. So uh, I let them take the hit on that one. And I, I'm going to, I sat this one out. <laughs>
Have you been in touch with any of those teammates that made that decision to be on campus? And do you know how their experience is going? I've been in contact with them a lot. I think for the most part, they enjoyed it. The team is so close knit that it sounded like it was a ton of fun, but I don't know. The grass is always greener. So I'm sure I didn't pick up on some of the more like individual struggles that they had, but I think it sounded like it was a good experience or, I mean, like everything is in this time, uh, as, as good as it could have been better than some might've hoped. So I hope it was good for them, but I don't know exactly. Are you planning to be back at Whitman next in the fall? Yes, knock on wood, but yes, I am. Great, that's exciting. Um, well, Sam, this was super informative. It was great to hear your experience. Um, do you have anything else that you'd want to add about how the semester is going for you or your teammates? I would just, I, I don't know if you would put this in, but I would just say I'm really proud of all of them. And from watching the meets on live streams to even just looking at people's times after um, and seeing how they all handled this, uh, I'm really proud of my team. And I think they did a great job. And I don't know, I can't wait to get back to them uh, in the fall. So that's the athlete perspective. To learn more about how this season has looked from a coach, I spoke to Matt Helm, women's head women's volleyball coach. My name is Matt Helm, and uh, I'm the head women's volleyball coach here at Whitman College. So how long have you been coaching volleyball, both at Whitman and otherwise? Oh, uh, wow. Total. That's a question. I need to go back. All right. So I started in 95. So how many years is that? 25, 26 years? I'd imagine this is a season that's not similar to the 25 years you've had prior. So what about it has been different other than the obvious? Yeah, well, um, several things. Um, the, the obvious, uh, but also having a season, a, a volleyball season in the winter, I guess, is something different that I've never experienced or had to, to plan for. Also, sharing a season with other indoor sports so like with with basketball both men's and basketball we overlap usually um, about a month um, in our traditional seasons um, but this is definitely different and so it's made scheduling and and collaboration and cooperation uh, very very important with with all parties involved and so that's definitely been and I think I think more so than a challenge, I think it's been a good thing, um, especially with us having a, a new men's basketball coach and being able to collaborate and, and work through some things um, has kind of sped up the process as far as getting to know John Lamana as well. And and I think it's been all positive, you know, scheduling the gyms. Um, I, I also think travel. Um, during this time we've never and I'm originally from Hawaii so I don't travel with a team in the winter you know and and having our second match canceled due to um, the, the winter storm that came through um, it's just another thing that we have to consider um, during playing during this time so I, I think the list can go on and on and on about differences and, and the obvious you know with with COVID and our student athletes coming in, just not having the traditional college experience right off the bat. So you talked a little bit there about the overlap with other athletics teams. Has that meant that your team 
has not had as much time to practice as usual because they're sharing the equipment, because they're sharing the space? No, not necessarily. I think, I mean, I have a very good relationship with both John and Michelle, um, our, our men's and women's basketball coach, and, and they're very supportive of us as well. And I think we just, we sit down, we look at the schedules, we, we try to do what's right, we try to be fair, um, we try to be considerate of, of everybody's needs. One difference with volleyball is we have to set up and take down a net, you know, and so there's a lot more equipment that needs to be prepared to to compete in our sport. Um, and I think it's just it's been great for all the student athletes to also see that collaboration and the willingness to work together to, to just make it work. Um, sometimes it's not pretty. It's sometimes we just got to make it work. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. I, I think we've all done our best in, in doing what's right for all of our student athletes. Yeah, it's great to hear that you guys have been able to work together to create a system that's equitable and just create a system that allows them to continue to play. Because I know the ability to play is probably something that was pretty heavy on the minds of a lot of your athletes this year. So are you working with the same size team this year or are there fewer athletes? We actually have more. Um, our roster started off with 20. Um, our actual roster on the, on the website shows 19. Um, one player is, is playing basketball at this time. We had a dual athlete. So, I, you know, that's another difference is we, we do have a dual athlete that plays both women's basketball and volleyball. And due to the circumstances, um, women's basketball came out and, you know, she came and this time she, she chose to play basketball, which we're totally supportive of. Um, so we're working with a roster, a playing roster of 17 right now. So a lot larger than in the past. Um, and it's been fun. It's been great to be able to train with those numbers and have quite a few players able to go in and, and give breaks within practice and, and kind of have it more game-like because um, in the sport of volleyball, you do sit out for a little bit. And if you go in, then you got to perform for three rotations and then you come out again. And so, you know, trying to mimic that within our practice setting, it, it works now with the numbers that we have. So you're working with more athletes right now, but do you see uh, like COVID and shortened seasons impacting recruitment into the future? Yes and no. I think immediately recruiting into higher ed is, is can be difficult uh, right now, just with what we're, what we're dealing with, with COVID. N not having the ability to watch potential student athletes play live has definitely been a challenge. But it's not just us. It's it's many other colleges. So we're in the same boat. Um, so being creative as to how we communicate with potential student athletes has been both challenging and exciting. I, I think you know the Zoom world. We're, we 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 appreciate it, and sometimes we can be done with it. <laughs> but uh, uh, it is a way for us to connect with our potential student athletes. So you know the challenges are there. Um, I think all of us coaches are trying to be super creative as to how we continue to build those relationships with our potential student athletes. Well, 
let's pivot a little bit back to campus. So could you walk me through some of the regulations that are guiding sports teams this season, whether that comes to being in class, not being in class, um, attending campus events, leaving campus, what does that look like? It's progressed. Um, so it started off very uh, limited, being in quarantine for 14 days, uh, not being able to practice as a whole team. All student athletes, first years and, and sophomores are in Jewett. And so, you know, they are taking online courses. Everything is virtual. Some have signed up for hybrid. So as soon as the seasons are done, they'll have another 14 days to quarantine before they can even get back into live classes. And what that has done is, I mean, our student athletes can only interact with our team um, after their 14 day quarantine. They are only allowed one other person after their 14 day quarantine, one other athlete from another team in their room, have fully masked and social distance. They can interact with their team members outside of their room, fully masked, socially distant. And I'm, I'm just trying to recall all these different rules because sometimes, I mean, they get so many. <laughs> uh, and, and I will say this, our student athletes want to be here. They want to play. Like you said, they, they want to compete. Um, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to do so. So besides uh, restrictions when it comes to just online classes for right now, are there any other spaces on campus that athletes can't go to? Can they go to the library? Can they go to read? Or are they pretty restricted to Jewett? Yeah, they're pretty restricted to Jewett. Um, our athletic department has made a lot of different accommodations for them. We have separate spaces here in Sherwood um, in BFFC that teams can sign up for or student athletes can sign up for for a study space or a team space. Um, so we're trying to get them, you know, to get out of Jewett, you know, and, and find other spaces on campus. But it is it is very limited, you know, as to what they can can do or can't do. Since everyone is living in Jewett, do you think that constant interaction between players has had an impact on the chemistry of your team? with their roommates it definitely has brought them closer it definitely has even created some frustration maybe some you know uh, being in the same room with your teammate for you know uh, so many months so many weeks and um but at the end i think it will definitely bring them closer uh, that's for sure i i would say the most difficult part most challenging part is um, our student athletes who are on campus and those who are off uh, because we have our juniors and seniors living off campus, you know, we don't want our, our student athletes on campus interacting with them, you know, in their space and vice versa. So that has created some challenges as far as trying to bridge that gap, because usually um, as coaches, we understand that that can be a challenge just in a normal year, you know, um, bonding our upperclassmen and, and underclassmen together. And this year it's been even more so challenging because um, there kind of seems like there's that divide um, between upper and, and lower class classmen. And so trying to bridge that gap, asking our upperclassmen and lower classmen to schedule a time to go on a walk, you know, just to create you know, those memories and, and relationships. Um, and as everybody knows, it's, it's, time consuming and being online class doesn't mean that it's any easier 
Um, there's still a lot of work to be done. And so um, it, it can create a challenge for sure. Yeah, so you talk about that divide. Do you worry about that divide persisting beyond just this season and the kind of team culture or chemistry that's being built this year rippling over into next year or the year that follows? I don't think so. I think, I mean, I, I'm just looking ahead. I think once all this clears and we're back to some sort of new normal or whatever we want to call that, um, I think we're going to be really eager to, to get back and create these relationships and get back to, you know, um, getting into gatherings and sharing spaces with, with our teammates. And I think, um, the team right now knows what it feels like to be segregated, to be separated. And they're not going to want that feeling. <laughs> um, that's just my opinion. And that's something we're definitely going to um, talk about and try to try to uh, reinforce the importance of building those relationships between on and off campus soon yeah. after. That, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, if they're living on campus, their circles are pretty restricted. If they're living off campus, they're equally as restricted. We don't necessarily see a lot of overlap. So I can definitely see how that would be a challenge both for the athletes and probably for someone in your position as a coach and trying to make sure rules are being followed, but we're also seeing a team that's cohesive. Yeah. What do, this is a completely different direction, but how do mask rules and rules about like wearing masks correlate to practices in games? So we are the only sport um, that is required to wear masks during competition. Um, and so we practice with our masks on and now we're, we're not required to practice with masks on, but I have chosen to do that because we're going to play with masks. So, um, and the, and the rationale and the reason behind that is because if we were not wearing masks, we would be at a high risk, um, considered sport. Um, whereas if we do wear a mask, we're down to a, um, mild risk or medium risk. And so one that affects testing, uh, where we would not have to surveillance test the whole team, um, where we can surveillance test 50% of our team um, once a week. And it, it just, I think in, with going from high risk to mild risk, it just made everybody feel a little bit more comfortable in making the decision for us to compete. And at that moment in time, um, we just want to play. So whether it's with mask, no mask, um, just let's find a way to be able to get out there and, and compete. Yeah, so let's talk about testing a little bit. Uh, are the athletes subjected to more testing than just that surveillance testing that occurs? Yes, well, we're being surveillance tests not only by the athletic department, but we're also randomly selected by the college as well. So there are times where our student athletes and, and coaching staff as well are being tested twice a week um, and getting results. So yeah, we're, we're pretty professional at being tested in, in many different, uh, many different ways. So uh, we have quite the experience there. So how is the testing set up for volleyball where you are like a mild or medium risk sport different from like a high, a sport at that higher level? Yeah, so a sport at, at high risk would be 100% tested. Um, and I believe they get tested 
um, at first it was three times a week for a, a longer period of time. If I recall, I think they might still be doing that. To be honest, I'm not sure. I think they're still being tested, um, but they all need to be tested each week. Whereas for us at uh, medium risk, it's just 50% of our team randomly tested. Okay. A little, a little less, which probably is a relief too. <laughs> yes, it's a relief. Um, and I mean, it, it also, you know, the financial side of it. I mean, we're not spending that much money on, on, on tests. And if you, you know, do the math and, and figure out how many tests we're saving on a high risk as opposed to a medium risk, it, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. It's probably cheaper to buy a bunch of masks for our student athletes to wear um, than maybe to get tested all the time. Um, although I will say, you know, Whitman has been very supportive and, and wants to do the right thing as far as being tested and making sure that our student athletes are safe. So, yeah. well, as we get ready to wrap this up, is there anything else uh, noteworthy or notable about the season that you'd like to share? Yeah, I just want to want to point out how resilient our student athletes have been and how um, selfless and how very committed to each other and to their sport. They wanna be great students and they wanna be great athletes. And I think it's, it takes special person to really make the sacrifices that they've made in order to be here on campus, in order to um, take classes and, and do it at a high level and then compete in their sport and compete at a high level as well. So um, I just really wanna, I guess a shout out to all of our student athletes who have sacrificed and who have endured this stage and not normal uh, season and continues to perform at a high level. Well, thank you for sitting down and talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Casey. Athletics have looked very different this year, but for most involved, both coaches and students, they're just excited to have the opportunity to keep competing, no matter how unusual this season has been. Athletes this semester have had to make hard choices between academics and their team, but in the end, it seems that even from a distance, they're still pleased with the decision that they made and they remain supportive of their team, no matter what they're up to. That's it for this week's episode of the Whitman Wire podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode.